You are listening to the podcast of Anthem Church in Columbia, Missouri. For more information, visit us online at anthemcolumbia.com. Amen. So that's fun. That's fun to start the morning off with. Um, we are, we're going to be in Joshua chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one. We have Bibles out at uh, Info Central out in the front. But we're in, we're in Joshua chapter 1. And this morning, what we usually do at Anthem is we usually take one book of the Bible and we go through it verse by verse, chapter by chapter. And yet, and, and we're going to start that in just a few weeks. We're actually going to be going through Genesis, which you're like, Genesis, that's a big book. Yes, it is. And we're excited about it. We're excited. We're, we're just going to be looking at who is God and the introduction of God. Um, but this morning and for the next few weeks, what we're doing is we're, we're just taking a, a little bit of time to look at the foundation of our faith. We're looking at the foundations of our faith, and so we're in Joshua chapter 1. And I just want to ask you a question before, before we jump into that. It is a new year, right? 2019. Woo-hoo. Some of you are excited about that. Some of you are like, oh, don't remind me, one year older. Um, let, me, let me ask you a question. How many of you would, would confess and you're like, you would raise your hand that you have a New Year's resolution? You have, yeah, okay, a few. Some of you are like, uh, I don't want to raise my hand. Um, because that leads to the next question. How many of you had a New Year's resolution, and yet you've already broken it? How many? One? Okay, yeah, <laughs> a few of you, a few of you are like, yeah, I'll admit. I, that was me too. Like, this year, I was like, okay, uh, uh, Nick Serene, he's, he, you know, he's the one that we should all follow Nick as he follows Christ. Like, he ran like 1,000 miles last year. No joke, 1,000 miles. That was his New Year's resolution. And so I was like, you know, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be inspired. I'll, I'm going to do 100 push-ups a day. I, I didn't even do that for a day. Like that, that wasn't even a thing. Um, and so now I'm just like, my New Year's resolution now is just to do push-ups whenever I think about it. So that's, that's much, that's lower than, no, I'm not, I could, I could, but we won't do that right now. Um, <laughs> so I broke it, that's right. I broke my second, I'll just lower that bar even further. Isn't it funny, though, how, how fickle we are when it comes to New Year's resolutions, oftentimes? Now, if you're Nick Serene, you're like, I don't even know what you're talking about. I'm, you know, but, but oftentimes, if you're regular like me, we're, we're very fickle when it comes to our New Year's resolutions. And it's, it's interesting to me how, how the, every ad, every commercial, like the advertisement people, they're slick, they're smooth, they know what they're doing, right? Because every ad... It seems like whether I'm, I'm listening to Pandora or watching TV or listening to the radio, it seems like every ad is about uh, a new weight loss program or a new, new deal for joining a gym or uh, a new, like, have you seen the, the commercials for those new workout bikes? I don't even know what they're called, but, but when it's like every commercial I see, I'm like, you know what, I hate exercise, but I think if I had that. I would actually love it. You know, there's all of these, these commercials, and they're, they're all giving us these, these different messages. They're, they're all giving us a message about, about who we are, and, and they're trying to get us be- to believe the message they're giving to us, because if we believe the message that they're giving to us, it'll, it'll lead us to a certain action. And that's what advertisement is, isn't it? It's, it's trying to get us to believe something. It's a message trying to get us to believe that, that maybe it, it, it's, it's getting us to believe that, you know what, your phone 
your phone isn't as good as the, the one that just came out. So therefore, you need to go out and get that new phone because you will have more friends if you take better portraits, pictures of your, of your friends. Like that, you, you, will be, you will be, I see some people pointing at other people. Like, now don't be doing that, right? Like calling each other out. But, but we, we look at that and we say, well, this, this, if, if I just had this, I'm not happy, therefore I need to go out and get this thing. Or, or the messages that come in say, well, your body isn't the way it should be. You're too big or, or you t- you're too small or you're too bald or you're too, you're too whatever. And so therefore, you need to go out and you need to get this new thing. You need to, you need to go out and you need to, to, to do this new fad or you need to go out and, and, and do whatever. Or, or maybe the message is, you know, it's been a hard year. So therefore, you deserve Whatever. You deserve the money that's coming to you. You deserve that, that new piece of jewelry. You, you deserve that new toy, that new ATV. You deserve that new house. You deserve it. Therefore, go out and get it. Right? That, that's all advertisement is. It's, it's just messages coming in. And if we believe those messages, it, it leads us to action. And yet, it's not just in advertisement. We all receive messages from, from all over the place. For me, when I was, when I was a kid, uh, I remember when I was, I don't know, I, I must have been like, did we blow something? Uh, the lights went out. Anyway, when, when I was a kid, uh, I remember I was probably 10 or 11. I couldn't have been too old. Um, but, but I remember uh, my birthday is, is September, and so it's right around like harvest season every year. And so uh, I remember one year, my dad was in the, in the combine, um, and we, we packed a picnic lunch. We went out. It was afternoon, evening, and we went out. We drove out into the field. We got the lunch out. We sat, or supper, we sat on the, the tailgate of the pickup truck, and that's where we had my birthday um, supper, which was cool. And it's, it's interesting as I, was, as I was thinking about this story, and all these different details start coming to my mind. And, and I remember one of the gifts that I got when, when, I, was, when I was that age. It was a pair of parachute pants. This is early 90s, right? Some of you are like, yes, right? Bright blue parachute pants that had Everlast printed all over them. I don't know. I, it's just, I just remember that. And, and I also remember you know, unwrapping those. And I remember wearing those. I was cool as a kid. And uh, I also remember my dad giving me a gift and I unwrapped it. And what he had given me was a box about that, like a brick of football cards, of football playing cards. And I remember in that moment, as a, as a young kid, small for my age, I mean, I didn't grow until I got to college. Like I was, I was smaller than all the girls in my class. As a small kid growing up in a, in a high school where I graduated with like 23 people, 22 people, we didn't have football. And, and I remember opening that and holding those cards thinking, you know what? My dad doesn't know me. And the message that I received in that moment, and I love my dad. He wasn't intentionally saying anything about me or who I was. But the message that I received in that moment is your dad doesn't really care about you, so figure it out. Your dad actually wants you to be something different than who you are. Your dad wants you to like things different than what you like. Your dad wants you to be a jock instead of an artsy little wimp. So figure it out. And it's interesting to me how when we receive messages and when we begin to internalize those messages, those messages lead us to action. 
They become core. They become, they become things that we believe, and those, those things that we believe lead us to action that, that I don't really matter, so therefore my voice doesn't really matter, so therefore whenever I, whenever I see conflict, I need, to just, I need to just hold back. Because what I have to say, I mean, it doesn't really matter anyway. I just got to figure it out for myself because really it's only me for me. And I don't know what messages that you've received, but we all have them. We all, and I guarantee someday my kids are going to be talking about the messages that I gave them. So I'm not, it's not like every problem I have stems from my dad. I'm not saying that at all. I love my dad. But we all have messages that come to us. And my question for you this morning, as I was thinking about the foundations of our faith, is that as I look at Joshua chapter 1, and as I think about a new year, what I see is a message from God for us that if we truly believe and internalize and start to, start to believe, it will, it will impact our actions. And here's what this message is this morning. As I was looking at this passage, the message that God would have for us this morning is, I am with you. The message that God would have for us this morning is, I am with you. And when we believe that, that has implications for us, doesn't it? When we believe that, when we begin to understand, when we begin to think about, okay, what would that mean that I am with you? That's what I want to look at this morning. If God's message for you is, I am with you, what does that mean for you? Let's, let's read chapter 1. We're, we're looking at verses 1 through 9. And I have it up on the screen just in case you don't have a Bible with you. Chapter 1, verses 1 through 9 says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. As we, as we look at that passage, what we see here is the commissioning of Joshua. Now, I, I want us to make sure that we don't overlook the fact that this is an emotional setting that we're getting a, a, a snapshot into, that we're, that we're getting a peek into. This is emotional. We see it says there in the very beginning, Moses, the servant of the Lord, is dead. And as, as God is commissioning Joshua, and we don't know exactly how this happened. We don't know if maybe he's in the tabernacle. We don't know if this is a vision. We don't. We don't know how this happened, but we do know that God is speaking to Joshua. 
He is commissioning Joshua for the task at hand, for what he would have him do next. And what it says in the very, very beginning, verse 2, Moses, my servant, is dead. I mean, can you imagine that? When we read over these things and we just, we just read over it so quickly. And we don't, we don't stop to think about the implications of this. You see, Moses, it, it says, in, if, you, if you go one page uh, back in Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 10, it says, And there has not arisen a prophet since in Israel like Moses, who the Lord knew face to face. So it, it talks about Moses, the, the man that God used to do so many incredible things in, in Exodus. The man that God used to bring about plagues to Egypt. The man that God used to, to deliver his people from bondage, from slavery after 400 years. The man that God used to, to lift up his hands and part the Red Sea. The man that God used to bring water from a rock. The man that God used to do so many different things. The man that it says he was a friend of God. Well, we read in places where he spent so much time with God and was hanging out with God so closely that his face shone. That's crazy, right? And we read through that and it's like, oh, yeah, that makes sense, right? That, no, it doesn't. It doesn't make sense, right? But that's who Moses was. And now it says, my servant Moses is dead. I was listening to a pastor speaking about this, uh, this passage, and, and one thing he said, there's quite a few things he said that just really stuck with me, but one thing he said in this is that when a man of God dies, nothing of God dies. And as we think about the message that God would have for us this morning, I think it's important for us to understand that because when we hear the message, I am with you, I think there's lots of times where we could say, yeah, but, yeah, but, this isn't exactly the way I thought things were going to go. Yeah, but the, the person, I mean, think about the person that was supposed to lead them in the promised land. Now he's gone. And Joshua, I don't, Joshua was awesome. I mean, if you continue to read in, in this book that's named Joshua, which again is a, is a little good insight into how awesome Joshua was. But I mean, if you have a book of the Bible named, I, I, anyway, I thought that was funny in my head. But uh, when you think about like how awesome Joshua was, I, I, never, I never read a place where his face shone, where his face was lit up because people were like, oh, I can tell you've been with God, right? Because you look like a light bright, like the, a glow worm. Remember those things? Like, that's, that's what you look like. See, he was never that. He was the servant. He, he was the, the, the guy who waited on that guy. And yet what, what I see here as, as God is commissioning Joshua and saying, go, I think Joshua could have used so many different excuses. I think he could, have, he could have listened to messages that said, no, you're no Moses, right? You're no Moses. I mean, think about, think about where they're at. Not only was Joshua taking over the place of Moses, and, and the fact, the, the reality is, as I said just a few seconds ago, when, when a man of God dies, nothing in God dies. I think what God is saying is he's saying, Joshua, I'm with you, therefore show up to this moment. My plans didn't stop just because it doesn't look like the way you thought it would. My plans didn't stop just because my servant Moses is gone. I'm not gone. I'm still God. Not only, not only is, is all of that happening, but we see that they're at, it says in, in verse 2, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people. They're, they're, at, the, they're at the border of the promised land. 
This was a place that they were at before. Joshua was here before. The Israelites were here before. 40 years before this happened, before this was written, Joshua went into the promised land to spy out the promised land with 11 other guys. 12 people went in. 12 people went in. They saw how good the promises of God were. They saw how awesome the land was going to be, but they also saw how how hard it was going to be. They saw the giants that they were going to have to overcome. They saw saw the the things that, that... In their eyes, they said, we look like grasshoppers compared to those challenges. There's no way that we can do that. And yet Joshua and Caleb, two out of the 12, said, guys, if God is in it, if God is with us, we can do this. And yet all the people followed the 10 that said we can't. And for 40 years, they wandered in the desert. For 40 years, one by one, that generation all died off. And now they're back at that place. Can you imagine what that would feel like? The, the place that they failed, the place they came to, that place that, that reminded them of the failure, that place that reminded them of their past, that place that reminded them of how they turned from God before. And now God is saying, arise and go. Go into this land. You see, what, what God is telling Joshua in his commissioning in the very beginning of this commissioning is he's saying, I am with you, therefore get up, show up to this moment in your life. Show up to this moment in my story that I am writing that didn't stop with the death of Moses. It didn't stop just because it doesn't look like what you thought it would. It's continuing, and I'm asking you to rise up, to show up in this moment because I am with you. Therefore, rise up. I love if you, if you look at verses 1 through 6, 1 through 5, all the times, I don't know if you caught it when I was reading through it, but all the times that it says what God is going to do. He says, I am giving to them. I have given to you. I promised Moses. I was with Moses. I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. See, what God was, was asking of Joshua in this moment was he's saying, show up because I'm with you, not because you are so incredible, because I am. And you can have confidence in who I am. Guys, there are so many times where, I don't know if you're like me, but there are times where I feel so crippled by who I am not instead of finding courage in who God is. You guys feel me in that? Like, you with me? There's so many times where it's like, well, I'm not that. I'm not Moses. I, I, I feel like there's, there's so many times where I fall so short I've been at places, I've been at the, the border of that promised land, and I've, I've seen into it, and, and, and there's been times where I'm just like, no, I can't do that, and I've turned away, and i followed my own path, and what I've found is, is just destruction and emptiness. And yet God is saying, look, I'm with you, therefore, show up to this moment. Show up. See, I I wonder oftentimes if we are not waiting for a specific call when God has already commissioned us to show up, right? Did did you catch that? I wonder oftentimes, like this isn't the first time that Joshua was put forward before the people. In Deuteronomy chapter 36, it says that that he was actually... um, instated, Joshua was instated by Moses. Moses brought him before the people and said, hey, I'm not going in with you, right? But, but Joshua is, he's gonna lead you. And so therefore, Joshua's already been put forward in front of the people, but, but now it's time for, for him to actually rise up. 
Now it's time for him to actually go forward. And that changes things, doesn't it? When we, when we, it's, it's easy for us to just contemplate things. If somebody asks us a question and says, hey, would you do this? What's the Christian response? If, if we're asked to volunteer, if we're asked to go out and do something outside of our comfort zone, what's the Christian response? Right, yeah, you guys know. Well, let me pray about that, right? But now, actually, what, what, what God is telling Joshua is he's saying, I'm with you, therefore show up. I've already called you. I've already commissioned you. Oftentimes, I think what we're waiting for is we're waiting to, to, to see our plans scrawled in the sky or, or, or to wake up with Jesus sitting at the edge of our bed and say, hey, Luke, how's it going? Well, good, Jesus. Good. Well, here's what I have for you, right? We're, we're waiting for a specific call when, in fact, we are commissioned over and over and over in Scripture to go make disciples. I, I was talking to a, a guy up in Iowa one time and, about church, and, and he was telling me, he's like, how do we get the church to be all in for discipleship? How do we get the church just to be all in for discipleship, for every single person to be discipling somebody and to be discipled by somebody? How do, how do we do that? And I was like, man, I, I understand. I get that too. I get frustrated at times when we don't see discipleship happening. I get frustrated when we don't see people showing up to the moment that, that God has, has brought them to. I get frustrated at that too. But, and I asked him, I said, man, I agree. But let me ask you a question. Who are you discipling? And I didn't ask it to be to be mean or to be smart. I just said, who are you discipling? He just said, touche. He said, yeah. Because the question is, like, when, when we say, well, we want the church to do this or we want the church to do that, in that moment, I was like, who do you think the church is? The church is you. The church is me. You guys, we're getting ready to go into a brand new building. Well, not brand new, new to us, right? We got a lot of work to do yet, but, but uh, we're getting ready to go into this building. But when we get into that building, we don't start becoming a church just because we get into a building. Just because we have a sign on the outside of a building doesn't mean now we're a church. Now we can start impacting Columbia. Now we can start discipling people. We are the church right here. Amen? Amen. I was wondering. Maybe it's, it's early. I get it. It's a brand new year. But we're the church right here, you and I. And so if you're saying, well, I want the church, I want Anthem to be more about reaching out to the community around us. Yes, I do too. But who do you think that is? That's me and that's you. If we want to help people know, love, and obey Jesus, who do you think those people are? It's you and it's me engaging in the mission of God. Amen. It doesn't start when we get onto Paris Road. It starts here, and it starts when we get into the Hampton. It starts when you go to work, not because of who you are, but because God is with you, and he has called you to stand up and rise up to the moment that he has you in right now. Amen? Amen. He, he goes on in, uh, in verse 6. He says, be strong and courageous. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Let's stop there. We see what Joshua, we see what God is telling Joshua in this moment. He, again, did you catch it? He says, look, you shall cause this people, be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers. You see, I believe what God is telling Joshua in this commissioning, he says, I am with you, therefore be faithful to the calling. Be faithful because your faithfulness will lead others to the fulfillment of the promises that I have for them. 
You see that? You see what, what Joshua is getting ready to do? He has, he has 2 million plus. There were probably around 2 million or, or over Israelites at the, at the banks of the Jordan River right here. 2 million people getting ready to go into the promised land. 2 million people wondering what this was going to look like. 2 million people wondering how they were going to do it. 2 million people wondering how they were going to, going to engage in this promise, engage in the mission that God has for them. And what God is telling Joshua, he's saying, I'm with you. Therefore, be faithful because your faithfulness will lead others to fulfillment. You see, maybe you don't have 2 million people following you, but we all have people following us. We all have people following us. I've got two kids following me. Uh, Maybe you don't have kids yet, but you you have a spouse. Or maybe you don't have a spouse yet, but you have coworkers. You have coworkers that are following you, that are looking at you, that are looking at your example. You have coworkers, you have classmates that are looking at you. You have teammates that are looking at you. And maybe you're like, well, I'm not, I don't play sports. I just heard a couple people, like you guys went and played basketball the other day, right? On the basketball court, you have people looking at you. Wondering how you're going to respond because you just missed a really easy layup, <laughs> right? Are you going to punch the basketball? Done that before. It was a long time ago. Dealt with that. Confessed, right? Uh, are you going to, like, what are you going to do? Because people are following you. And I'm not saying that we have to be perfect. I'm not saying that at all. But people follow you when they see you mess up. They see, they, they wonder, they, they step back and they say, I wonder what's going to happen here. And you portray whether or not you actually believe the gospel or not. You portray whether or not you actually believe that God is with you or not. Because when we screw up, if you truly believe the gospel, we can say, hey, I'm sorry. I apologize. I'm sorry I lied. That's not who I am. And I'm a follower of Jesus, and that's not what he calls me to. And I apologize because that's not, that's not what a Christian should do. That's not what I want to be. And, and you, can, you can fill in the blanks. Maybe, maybe you have messed up and maybe the people following you, you're like, I've gone too far. I've led them too far astray. It's never too far. We can, we can come back and we say, I'm sorry. I apologize because people are following us. And so the question is, as we lead them, where are we leading them to? As, as, we, as we go as a church, as a body of believers, where are we leading people to? Are we leading people with our faithfulness to the fulfillments that God has for them, the fulfillment of the promises that God has for them? Or, or are we just being silent and just floating into mediocrity, floating into, into comfort, floating into to whatever the American dream or whatever you want to call it, we're just floating along. God says, Joshua, I'm with you. Therefore, allow your faithfulness to, to lead people to fulfillment. He goes on in verse 7. He says, only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. I think it's interesting that three times in this commissioning, God tells Joshua, be strong and courageous. The second time here, he says, be strong and very courageous. I think that that extra emphasis is put on that very courageous, like, like, Steady yourself, strengthen yourself, 
in this because he's saying, I'm asking you to set the pace among a people who are very prone to wander. I'm asking you to set a pace for people who are, who are it seems like at every turn, if you read through Exodus, if you read through their, their journey through the wilderness, it seemed like every hard thing that came up, they're like, you know what? It was better back in Egypt. It was better when I was in bondage. It was way easier back then. Before, before I felt conviction. It was easier back then, before, before I claimed to be a Christian. It was easier back then. And he's, he's setting the pace for people. And what, what God is saying is, Joshua, I'm with you, therefore set the pace. I'm with you, therefore be grounded in me. He tells them, meditate on the book of the law. Meditate on what Moses has given you. Be, be grounded in me. Be grounded in truth. Have that in your mouth. There, how many times, like I was talking to Stan not too long ago, and there's, there's times where I'll be honest with you, I have a really hard time memorizing scripture. I have a really hard time putting it into my heart and so that it comes out my mouth. And, and Stan was talking about what, a guy that uh, was talking to him about that, and he was saying, yeah, I have a really hard time. And yet when you start to talk about movie quotes, it's like I can just nacho libre all day long, Right? Quote after quote after quote. And it's like, well, what is it that I continue to put into my mind? What is it that I continue to meditate on? You see, Romans 12, 2, I have it up on the screen. It's a familiar passage, but it says, Paul says this. He says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You see, I wonder for, for you and me, what does it look like for us to be renewed by our minds, renewed, renewed in our minds, not being conformed by the patterns of this world? So I, I think that it depends on what it is that we're allowing to, to fill us on a daily basis, what we're meditating on. And if it's, not the, if it's not truth, if it's not the word of God, then we're going to be led astray. The promise here to Joshua is, I'm with you, therefore ground yourself in me. And he says, for then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. The promise there is if you, if you ground yourself in the truth, if you ground yourself in who God is, we will be able to follow him faithfully. We will be able to, to be transformed in the renewing of our minds. If we ground ourselves, but maybe, you, maybe you're like, yeah, I've tried to read the Bible. I just can't get it. It's, it's too hard for me. I, I agree. There are some things in here when I read, it's like, I don't know what this means. I don't understand it. I don't understand what the implications are. And yet that's the, that's the reason that we're not called to be Christians in a bubble, that's the reason we're called to, to fellowship with one another. That's the reason that we have connection groups. We haven't talked about connection groups in a long time. If you're not in a connection group, they start up here in just a few weeks. Get connected because that's where we dig deeper. And if you're like, I don't understand the Bible, then get around people who are, who are striving to understand it because what you feed will be the thing that grows. We know that, don't we? We know that. Have you ever been, have you ever gone through a difficult situation? Maybe you and a friend are, are uh, having, having uh, an argument and, and you go around it's, and, and you start to talk to other friends about the argument that you're having or the difficulty you're having. Isn't it, isn't it kind of like a, a, just a cool glass of water on a hot day when you, when you find those people that just feed into that? 
And they're like, oh yeah, I can't believe they're doing that too. It's like, yeah, right? And, and it just builds and builds and builds. But then you find that person and it's like, whoa, whoa, wait a second. No, you're wrong in this too. It's like, oh, uh, I'm gonna go back over here, right? Because we, we wanna feed that so it'll continue to grow. And yet when we go to friends who care more about our holiness than our happiness and they say, hey, no, you need to get that taken care of. Like when we begin to feed the godliness in us, when we understand that God is with us and so therefore we need to be grounded in him and we need to feed that and we need to, to be meditating on, on truth instead of listening to the messages that are coming in on a daily basis and, and listening to who God is, that continues to grow in our hearts and in our minds and in our lives, right? I mean, Jesus says the same thing in John fifteen five. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. How many times as Bible-believing Christians, Bible-believing Christians, you would check that box. you say, yep, that's me, Bible-believing Christians. And yet our Bibles, the only thing they do is gather dust on our shelves, and yet we wonder why God is silent in our lives. We have the word of God. He desires to speak to us. The question is, are we willing to listen? Are we willing to meditate? Are we willing to feast on what he has said? God tells Joshua, I'm with you. I'm with you. Will you ground yourself? Therefore, ground yourself in me. He goes on. The last, last verse, Joshua 1, 9, says, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous? Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I love this verse. This is my favorite verse of the whole passage. He says, therefore, be strong. And Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. Lord, your God is with you wherever you go. That, that, word, that word frightened, it, it literally means to tremble. Like whatever it is that you're facing, you just tremble because uh, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what it's going to look like. And that, that word dismayed, it literally means to be shattered. It's, it's this position where you are just taken out, where things that you're, that you're faced with, what, whatever it is, what this new year might bring to you, it's just like, I don't think I can do it. I'm trembling. I am shattered. I am broken. I am dismayed. And what we see here is, is God tells Joshua, he says, I'm with you. Therefore, don't be taken out. I'm with you. Therefore, follow me. It, it's, to me, it's the word picture of a dad standing in the deep end, asking his child to jump in with him. Right? You guys been there before? Maybe with your, maybe with your parents. Maybe with, I don't know, kids you babysat. I, I don't know. Like, we've all, we've all kind of been there, right? Like, a dad standing in the deep end saying, I'm with you. And yet, as a child standing on the side, you say, yeah, but it's deep. Yeah, I know, but I'm taller. <laughs> yeah, but it's scary. I know, but I'm here. Yeah, but I can't swim. I know, but I can. Right? We, we, get this, we get this word picture of a dad standing there saying, jump in with me because I'm with you. I'm here. I'm not going to leave you. My dad used to sing um, in our church. He used to travel around with, with a group and sing. And one of the songs I remember as a kid he would sing is, he didn't, he didn't bring us this far to leave us. He didn't teach us to swim to let us drown. He didn't, I, I, that's, I've drawn a blank after that. But like the, the idea is he didn't bring us to this place, to this moment and say, all right, boom, figure it out. 
The message to Joshua is, I'm with you. Will you rise up? Will you show up in this moment? I'm with you. Therefore, come on, let's go. I'm with you. Therefore, be confident. I'm with you. Therefore, be strong. I'm with you. I don't know what other messages you've received. I don't, I don't know what it is that you believe about yourself. I don't know what, I mean, you may be sitting there and you say, yeah, but I've, I've been to the edge of that promised land before and you don't know how many times I've turned away. You don't know how many times I've, I've let God down. You don't know how many times I've messed up. You don't know how many times I've gotten right to that point and yet because I believe this thing about myself, I've turned away because it's easier back in bondage. It's easier back here. Maybe that's been you, and yet the message that God has for us this morning is he says, yeah, but I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I love this quote by Franklin D. Roosevelt. I have it up on the screen just because it, as I was reading it, I'm like, yeah, that's good. It says, courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the assessment that something else is more important than fear. I'm going to read that again. Courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the assessment that something else is more important than fear. If you're, if you're like that child standing on the edge of the pool, yes, who knows what this new year is going to bring? Who knows what God has in store for each and every one of us? We don't know, but what we do know is that the promises of God are true. Amen? That he is with us, therefore, show up. He is with us, therefore show up in your family. He is with us, therefore show up in your job. He is with us, therefore ground yourself in him. He is with us, therefore be faithful to him so that you will lead others to the fulfillment of the promises that God has for them. He is with us, therefore be people of conviction, be people of truth who, who aren't being conformed by the patterns of this world, but, be, but are being transformed, who are being renewed by, by the, the renewal of your minds. I, I asked my kids just yesterday, I said, you know, what would it, what would it look like? I was telling them, this is, this is the message that I'm going to preach tomorrow. And here's what the message that I believe that God has for us as we think about the foundations of our faith. The message is that God is with us. What, what would that look like for you? How would that change things if God came to you and said, hey, I'm with you? And I wonder about that for you this morning too. Where are you at? If God came to you and said, I am with you, how would that change how you impact those around you? How would that change how we as Anthem Church were to impact Columbia? What would that look like? What we're going to do now is we're going to take communion. And, and I, don't, I don't want you to check out. I know when, when we say the word communion, everybody starts to shuffle and we start to put our stuff back in our purses and all that. But as we take communion, and as I was going through this passage, I was reminded of another place where these same words were spoken. That I am with you. It wasn't just spoken to Joshua way back in the Old Testament, but these same words were spoken to, to just a, a group of ragtag men in Matthew, in the end of Matthew, Matthew chapter 28, where Jesus tells his disciples, I will be with you always to the very end. 
And I love it because in, in, we call it the Great Commission. And in the very beginning of the Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, in the very beginning, it says, Jesus says, hey, what's up? <laughs> That's in my translation. It says, hey, how's it going? Uh, all power and authority has been given to me. Now, do you remember the context in which that was spoken? Jesus, 40 days before this, had just been crucified. He had, he had nails driven through his wrists and through his feet. He had a spear shoved through his side into his heart. The, the, his disciples watched him get beat with a cat of nine tails. They watched him die the, the most gruesome death that anybody can, and, and, and splayed out naked on a cross. And you're like, no, he had a loincloth. No, he didn't. That's how we sanitize it. He was, he was naked for all the world to see, and he was destroyed. His body was destroyed on that cross. But then three days later, he rose again, defeating sin and death, revealing himself to his disciples over and over and over again. And now in this moment, Matthew 28, he says, all power and authority has been given to me. What if, I mean, can you imagine, put yourself in that position. If you, just saw, if you saw Jesus die that way, and now he's back, and, and he's saying, all power and authority has been given to me. It's like, yeah, I'm not, who would argue that? You just came back from the dead. Like, I, I think we're good. You don't have to convince me. What does he do with all that power and authority? He says, go. Therefore, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them everything I've commanded you, and I will be with you to the very end of the age. And as we take communion this morning, this is an incredible reminder of that fact. That Jesus died for us. That Jesus is with us and we can, we can trust him in that because he died for us and he rose for us and we can live for him. That you and me, Anthem Church, that we can impact the people around us because he is with us. So as we go to the tables, the band's going to play. You guys can come on up. The band's going to play. And what we're going to do right now is we're going to, whenever you're ready, for those of you who are, who are believers in Christ, for those of you who would say, yes, I, I've taken this step. I, I love Jesus. I put, my, I put my hope and my trust in Jesus. For those of you who would say that, this is for you. This, this communion is for you. It's a reminder of the commitment that Jesus, that God has for us, and a reminder of the commitment that we have given to him. And so as we go, and as we, as we go to the tables, whenever you're ready, whenever the band's playing and you're ready, we're going to break off a piece of that bread as a reminder of Jesus' body that was broken for us. And what we're going to do is we're going to dip that piece of bread in the, in the cup which is a, a reminder, a representation of the blood of Jesus, which was spilled for each and every one of us. And as we take that, what I want you to do this morning is I want you to remember that God is for you, that he is with you. And, and the question this morning is, what does that mean for you? Wherever you are, maybe, maybe for the first time, you need to put your trust in him. Maybe for the first time, you need to show up in your family. You need, to, you need to show up at your, at your job place. You need to show up for this time and place and stop, stop listening to the messages around you, but just listen to the message that God has for you that he would say, I am with you. There's, there is, I forgot, there's gluten-free in the back if you need that. But as we go, let's just remember 
Let's, let's pray. God, I, I thank you. Even as I, as I go through this passage, God, I praise you for, for how you've been speaking to me through this passage this week. God, I praise you for the fact that you are with me. Therefore, I can show up to this moment that you have me in right now. God, I praise you that you desire to reach the people around me with me. God, no matter, no matter what my situation looks like, no matter what this year looks like, God, I know there are gonna be things that happen that aren't what I would choose. There are gonna be things that happen that, that threaten to take me out. There are gonna be things, things that happen. I'm gonna fall short, we will fall short. And yet the reality is you are with us. We can trust you. God, I, I pray that you would help us to show up as individuals and as a body of believers, as Anthem Church. 